What if the craft beer story is wrong? This is a Birvana audio blog. Please forgive verbal stumbles and fumbles. And when you're done listening, consider a pint from Birvana's partners, Guinness Brewing of Dublin, Ireland and Baltimore, Maryland, Freem Family Brewers of Hood River, Oregon, and Rubens Brews of Seattle, Washington. Their support makes this site possible. I was about halfway through the new craft beer documentary, Brewmance, when I had that feeling of waking up during a dream that doesn't quite make sense. The movie tells a fine story about two Long Beach startups and their separate journeys founding a brewery. In both cases, the principals are homebrewers who must overcome various challenges and obstacles to realize their goals. The director, Christo Brock, is talented, and the film is beautiful and professional. He managed to track down a number of beer luminaries like Ken Grossman, Charlie Papazian, Jim Cook, and San Collagione, and they give context about beer and the brewing industry. For anyone who has read about American craft brewing or seen similar movies, it's a familiar story about a movement founded on grit, self-reliance, and rebellion. We repeat the events like they describe straight history, but with each repetition, the storytellers inevitably infuse the narrative with more and more mythic elements. As I watched the movie move through this hoary tale, I began to question if it was ever really accurate. No revolution? In broad strokes, the story goes like this. Soulless industrial giants dominated beer for generations, streamlining the product into a single indistinguishable commodity. A hearty band of dissidents brought back a more handmade approach to brewing, and with it flavor and choice, and in the process smashed the dominance of corporate titans. It was a unique revolution, one characterized by the daring and tenacity of the early pioneers. When we zoom in tightly and listen to the stories of these pioneers, this narrative emerges organically. That was their experience, and there's a lot of truth in it. Yet there's another, less epic way to tell this story. Like other industries, brewing harnessed modern technology to streamline production, making it far more efficient and driving costs down with the benefits of scale. A post-war infatuation with packaging created a gee whiz revolution in food that allowed consistent, long-lasting manufactured goods to go out on trucks to supermarkets where they remained shelf-stable for months. Velveeta replaced fresh cheddar, instant coffee supplanted beans, cans and frozen products displaced fresh, perishable vegetables and meats. Even whole meals cooked lightning fast in microwaves placed families in front of their TV sets with just minutes of prep. Beer, of course, followed suit. In the 1980s, uh, consumers hungering for flavor rather than convenience and low expense found their way back to fresh and handcrafted foods. Far from being unique to beer, this trend visited every food and beverage category. Much like the early craft brewers, small business people created artisanal cheeses and good coffee and gourmet cookies, They eschewed McDonald's for slow food. They started farmer's markets and sold strawberries and arugula at the peak of ripeness. Risk takers led all of those startups. They were part of a creative force Mark described all the way back in the middle of the 19th century. Quote, a great part, not only of existing production, but also of previously created productive forces are periodically destroyed. To makers of shelf-stable cheese food, quite an innovation, Artisanal makers of aged blue cheeses probably look like the barbarians at the gate. More than that, the cycle of brewery consolidation and flourishing that characterized the previous and current eras is one that goes back a thousand years. Breweries making funky, 
boilable ales in the areas around Bremen and Hamburg complained about the new Hopdales coming from the giant breweries there. In a recent Birvana show, we discussed how Berlin, once a vibrant hub of characterful local brewing, slowly devolved into a place where far fewer breweries were making far less interesting beer, before, recently, rebounding with the excitement of small new breweries. Sound familiar? In a different narrative, we might intuit a similar pattern just by looking at brewery numbers. A robust market at the end of the 19th century declined during the temperance movement and was seriously crippled by prohibition. In the 1940s, healthier survivors began gobbling up weaker ones mortally wounded by the 13-year disruption, and the trend in mass market products drove beer to become a single bland commodity. When Americans rediscovered freshness, traditional crafts, and variety, beer followed wine and coffee to become the latest in a series of beverage segments enlivened by startups making expensive boutique products. That version may not be romantic or thrilling, but it's at least as accurate. The American Myth As I watched a parade of white men flash across the screen of Brumance, I started to think about how the popular craft beer story aligns so closely with the enduring myth of America. National myths are important markers and creators of identity, describing the way a culture sees itself. Americans look in the mirror and see pioneers, explorers, iconoclasts, and figures of unique moral character. In high school, I was shocked to learn about the Virginia colony and its history of enslaving people. We had literally never spent a minute on it in grammar school. Instead, we heard ad nauseum about the Puritans fleeing religious persecution and forging a new life of freedom. Mostly, we also heard about how great those colonists were to locals, too. The Virginia colony couldn't be bent into the shape of the American myth, so teachers omitted it. As the country developed over the following centuries, the story morphed into the frontier myth, which accentuates the kind of hero who helped conquer and settle the continent. It borrows on similar themes of the colonial era, airbrushing out a lot of misery and death. Here's Richard Slotkin writing about it all the way back in 1973 in his book, Regeneration Through Violence. That is the conception of America as a wide open land of unlimited opportunity for the strong, ambitious, self-reliant individual to thrust his way to the top. The onus of potential gain was thus placed upon the individual to make his way in the world and become rich and self-made on these open new lands. In many ways, this is a harmless framework. It's a myth of heroism as old as Homer. It's very hard to listen to Ken Grossman or Kurt Widmer talk about founding their breweries without feeling the long hours in your back or the sense of anxiety in your gut. Human creation is heroic. But what Brock accesses in Brumance, uh, it's what Brock accesses in Brumance, and there's a thrill in seeing it unfold even 40 years after the first of these entrepreneurs went through the same thing. Yet there's nothing inherently different about a brewery. Had Brock followed a tech startup in Silicon Valley, or a new shoemaker, or even an elite basketball player, the emotion of a dream resting on the knife edge between success and failure would be much the same. It's just that this format comes with a downside. While a myth can give events a structure, it also edits out discordant information. In choosing a myth, we reject other stories. By reforming the story, by reforming the story of craft beer, in the image of the American frontier, we miss other stories. I was so struck in hearing the fuller story of New Albion to learn that women date literally back to the very first craft brewery. In so many ways, it follows the contours of that old myth. A man with a singular vision, irascible, irrepressible, maybe even a little unlikable, 
defies all convention to build the first brewery and spark a revolution. Except that the story is really one of two founders, Jack and Susie Dennison, who together founded the first brewery. Her part in that story may complicate the narrative, but she makes it far more interesting. The founding myth repeated in Brumance was an important one 30, 40 years ago. It helped tiny companies find their footing, appeal to customers, and use their collective strength to change laws and the structure of an industry. But however relevant that myth seemed in 1990, it's much harder to maintain now. The number of breweries in the U.S. is fast approaching 9,000. Many founding breweries sold their companies to the industrial giants, and many more now make exactly the same kinds of beers and seltzers and flavored malt beverages the founding generation decried. It's hard to maintain a myth of rebellion once you become a cog in an old machine. If that seems like a sad place to end this, let me sound a hopeful note. I'm one of the people who has told the myth many times in the past. It seems so inspirational. But it, 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 but it edited out vast segments of the population, people who helped found those breweries, but also washed kegs instead of managing finances or employees. Further, the myth makes it a lot harder to identify the truly good and special beer if we're only focused on the structure or personality of the entity making it. The more I think about the real heroes in the industry, I see working brewers and taproom publicans overcoming their own obstacles and doing a lot more to change the industry than so many new copycat five-barrel breweries. They think about beer differently and invite different people into the world of beer and into their breweries. They will write beer's next chapter. Myths can function like a straitjacket. As we move forward, the true frontier isn't just the next homebrewer turning pro. We can look forward to women and people of color transforming the kinds of beer we drink and the way we drink it. We can begin to focus on those breweries making truly exceptional beers rather than just the, new, the newest thing. <clears throat> We're actually sitting on the edge of a very new frontier, and it doesn't look anything like the old stories we've told ourselves about craft beer. On balance, that's going to be a very good thing. <laughs>